Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, we begin ankle watch. In other words, what's the latest here on a Wednesday on Kyler Murray? It is the storyline heading into week nine, at least on the Cardinals' end. And regardless of whether or not Murray plays, how does the offense handle one of the toughest defensive fronts in the league? But first, are we okay with standing pat? The NFL trade deadline came and went without a move. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 489, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. No, the Cardinals did not make a move on Tuesday. The 1 p.m. NFL trade deadline passed with no news, and there are some who are upset by that, MJ. But let's not forget, Bird Gang, two and a half weeks earlier, GM Steve Keim did acquire a player. Tied in Zach Ertz, October 15th, and a move I think needed to be made after the injury to Max Williams. And what did we talk about at the time? Steve did not wait for the deadline. Uh, maybe, you know, obviously Ertz was healthy when they made the trade. He passed the physical, but, you know, a lot of uh, in-between time there. Listen, I understand fans, you know, it's like, you know, they want a new toy. Uh, but it's not fantasy football. I mean, uh, I was told they worked the phones. I think they were looking more at the back seven, maybe linebacker, possibly you know, corner defensive back, or in this case, yeah, possibly safety. But I think we were consistently, so I was, uh, when it came to the D-line and, you know, getting Corey Peters back and Rashard Lawrence. I mean, all of a sudden he got eight or nine bodies and Josh Morrill. So I understand it's just this team, I mean, as long as they can stay healthy, I mean, they're, they have a lot of good depth at certain positions. Yes, you'd like to have, you know, more players, but – the roster we see is 99% we're going to see the rest of the season. And injuries are a part of the season. No team goes through an entire year unscathed, so it is a question of depth. You lose Max Williams, there's not a lot of depth behind him, one, because of the nature of the position, the tight end position. You lose a J.J. Watt, yes, that is a big hole, but there are guys behind him. Now, are they as good as J.J. Watt? Of course not. But there is depth. There are bodies there. Could you have acquired somebody? Sure. Tell me who. Tell me what the cost is and tell me how it's going to affect the salary cap. Same thing when we were talking about offensive line and the right guard position because of the angst amongst the fan base about Josh Jones. But that side of the ball also is getting healthier on the offensive line. So I get it. I certainly understand it. But there is just not – it's not as easy as saying, all right, MJ, uh, who's available? All right, let's just go get got that guy. It doesn't work that way. No, and, you know, I was exchanging a text message with somebody in the building, and they said teams are just reluctant to give up on good players. And, you know, different sports, you know, you could see when teams are waving the white flag. Now, in fairness to the NFL, they did push the trade deadline two weeks past where it was before. So you would think you have some more activity, but – it takes two to tango, and, and again, teams aren't just giving away good players because and, – and it comes down to, you know, Fletcher Cox. Everyone's talking about Fletcher Cox. Clearly not the same guy, but he's a guy you can plug and play. And all of a sudden, you know, 
Glazer reports that teams are reaching out, and then he posted that he's staying in Philadelphia. So just a lot of speculation, and really none of it really comes true. Now, when it comes to Zach Ertz, now we got to let this play out. But I think he could be more than a rental player, Craig. And I don't know what the salary is. I know he likes being here. Um, he knows the grass isn't always green on the other side. I don't know if it's 6 $7 million. And then you bring back Max Williams at a little bit of lower rate. I think they think of Max as a number two. Uh, just based on his skill set, even though we thought he was a one. And then the draft is loaded at tight end. The Cardinals will have eight draft picks. So, And, and I think they do want to address a young tight end for the future, but you still have a couple of veteran guys that will get you over the hump. So depending on how it plays out, I, I, I think it's more than just a rental. I think, I, you know, again, he loves being here. He loves the offense. Um, he's integrated himself with the team. So we'll just have to wait and see. But, I, I, you know, when they made the trade, well, he's a rental. I think they think more of him right now. I would be very curious to see, and to your point, how this plays out. Just how involved is he? Yeah, he made a splash, his debut, but how does it continue and play out? Because as we've seen, Max Williams wasn't a large part of the offense as far as catches are concerned. He was more in there because of his run-blocking ability. How does that factor in now with Zach Ertz, who is not as good of a blocker as a Max Williams? It gives them more weapons. Again, healthy Hop, healthy A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk got the two backs. It just adds another element to their offense. I mean, who are you going to roll coverage over? And we know that Kyler has a trust factor, whether it was Dan Arnold, uh, whether it was Max Williams or now Zach Ertz, when you come down to the seam, and you're going to take some hits. But I just like the fact that he gives them another element to the passing game. All right, let's go through the rest of the division as far as what happened and what didn't happen with respect to the trade deadline as we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The big move, obviously, was what the Rams did in going out and acquiring Von Miller. Now, he is not the same Von Miller that certainly was a part of that Denver Broncos franchise and certainly a huge part of that franchise, but it is a big name that obviously certainly looks good next to an Aaron Donald, and all of a sudden the rest of the division and the rest of the NFC is going, really? Seriously? What are you doing? But that's just what the Rams do. They give away their draft picks because they prefer the known versus the unknown. Well, I think it's very clear that they're going all in. And, and I think when it comes to Stan Kroenke, he spent $5 billion on that stadium. And I don't think he wants another NFC team playing in the Super Bowl besides the Rams. Now, when maybe Von Miller's a rental player. He's made a ton of money in his career. And if he does go out in free agency, they would get a compensatory pick possibly as high as the third round. When I look at what the Rams are doing with Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and then throwing Von Miller, they realize when they get to the postseason, they're going to have to go against Dak Prescott. He can run. Kyler Murray, he can run. Uh, Tom Brady's more of a pocket guy. Aaron Rodgers can move in the outside the pocket. So they're gearing up to stop these mobile quarterbacks because, you know, clearly Brad um, – I always say Sam Bradford. Matthew Stafford and Brady are more pocket passers. But you look at the other guys, and we haven't even talked about some of the possibly wild card teams, but that they're gearing up to stop those quarterbacks in the postseason. 
This season, Miller has recorded four and a half sacks, seven tackles for loss, and nine quarterback hits. Now, you don't need him to be Vaughn Miller of the past, but certainly it is another body, more depth at that position. And maybe now with opposing offenses, you look at the Rams' defensive front, and all right, yeah, we always key on Aaron Donald, but hey, don't forget about this player. Don't forget about Von Miller because he can certainly wreck an offense and maybe it's not so much and I've heard this narrative nationally maybe it's not so much what he does in November December but the plays he makes come postseason time in January late January and of course at the cost of a second and third round pick for the Rams that would be worth the price to get Von Miller in a Rams uniform he doesn't have to be great he's just got to contribute stay healthy and you know he's he's coming off uh, an Achilles from last year so I mean that's a tough position to come back from um, he hasn't played in the last couple of weeks. Looks like he could be activated on Sunday. Um, but again, they don't need him to be great. Just contribute, and they got enough playmakers on defense to where, you know, who do you double? Clearly, they're moving Aaron Donald around a lot more. He's not just lining up as against the nose tackle or against the center and guard. He's lining up, and Leonard Floyd can do a lot of different things. So they don't need to him to be the Von Miller. They just need him to contribute, and I'm sure they're going to get a nice little rotation there when it comes to their outside backers. The 49ers, this week's opponent for the Cardinals, did make a move as well. They acquired defensive lineman Charles Amenahu from the Texans, a former fifth-round draft pick out of Texas in 2019, a starter earlier in the year, but his playing time had declined in recent weeks. Seven career sacks in 35 games, probably just a little bit more depth. And don't forget, factor in that Javon Kinlaw done for the season. That could have been the replacement with what the Cardinals, or excuse me, what the 49ers were thinking with getting Omenahu. Well, I also think there's something going on with D4. And, you know, they got another pass rusher. That's basically what they did. They went out and got a pass rusher, probably a situational guy, a rotation guy. But we'll find out more about D4. We know Bosa's off to a good start. They do have, you know, Fred Warner's a really good uh, middle backer. Mosley's playing better. I still think you can attack that secondary. But, you know, we'll get into that later in the week here. But, yeah, they went out and got a pass rusher. Just trying to kind of to see where D Ford is. We know Bose is going to play the, the majority of the snaps. D Ford did not play last week because of concussion, so we'll follow that storyline. And then the last team in the division, the Seahawks, very quiet, although some news, and that was revolving around their quarterback, Russell Wilson, who tweeted out a picture, no pen, time to win. I think that's what the phrasing was, but they didn't make an addition as far as the roster, but certainly Russell Wilson is trending to being available following the Seahawks bye week. Yeah, and that means he's probably going to be available for the Cardinals game. Cardinals have yet to play the Seahawks. They they uh, play him, um, and then they host him in Week 18, and we'll see what the Seahawks are playing for at that point. Yeah, Cardinals at the Seahawks on November 21st. But all eyes this week, Week 9, Levi Stadium, November 7th, 225 is the kickoff. 9.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network as the Cardinals 7-1 take on a 3-4 49ers team. And I know we don't change clocks, but this week when you wake up, games are going to start at 11 a.m. They're going to start at 2.05, 2.25, and then the night games will start an hour later. So we don't have to worry about that. But when you, if you're looking to watch a game at 10 a.m., it's not going to happen this weekend or for the rest of the season. And in Sunday night, Monday night, yeah, it's Correct. just something you have to get used to, especially if you're new to the area. The Arizona State just uh, doesn't 
follow Daylight Savings Time. They're always on Mountain Standard Time. All right, Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Top story of the day, top story of the week. Ankle watch is what we're talking about here. Concerning K one watch. K one watch. All yeah. right. Well, there it was is not, involved in the ankle. True. There wasn't much to watch though on Wednesday because Kyler Murray was not present during the open portion of practice. Some other players absent as well, but some good news. We'll get to that, but let's just focus on K1. Not seen, but heard from. So that is good because the starting quarterback speaks on Wednesday, and Kyler Murray did address the media on Wednesday. All right, between Kingsbury and Murray, what did you learn? I learned that the ankle is fine, he's progressing, doesn't need to practice in order to play. I think that would be the ding, number ding, one ding, thing Ding, 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 that's it. If we don't see Kyler Murray on the field Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, not to worry, not to be concerned. That's not a signal or an indication that he would be unavailable on Sunday. That's what I learned, and he's getting mental reps. Obviously, he's aware of the game plan. That's when they install. And the good news is if, you know, um, clearly Cliff said it would be difficult to tell him he's not playing. I mean, kind of paraphrasing, but, you know, um, if he's cleared by the trainers, I mean, he wants to play. I mean, it's it's a division game. He wants to respond from last week. So, yeah, but the the interesting thing, and I think Drew Stanton hit it when he had him for the Red Sea report. He said he really doesn't need to practice. It's about getting rehab. And it sounds like the time off really helped him. And, and again, so I think it's day-to-day, but I think it's trending in the right direction. Uh, We could wake up on Sunday, and all of a sudden, you know, he's either active or we see Colt McCoy. But the good news is McCoy's going to get reps and practice this week when normally he's running the scout team. Kingsbury noted that if this was a year ago or even his first season, Kyler Murray would have to be on the football field during the week in order to be active on game day in uniform. But because it's year three, he knows the system. There are more weapons around him. He's not going to be asked to do as much. Now it's, okay, let's put you in that category of a DeAndre Hopkins, an A.J. Green, a Rodney Hudson, a Chandler Jones. We know what you can do, but if you're out there still studying, going through walkthrough, that's different than we need to see you going full speed during the week. Yeah, and, you know, Kyler was asked just about does he need to run. He said, I don't need to run. We know his numbers are down. You you can go to azcardinals.com. Darren Urban did a really uh, in-deep dive of that. He's become a pocket passer. So, um, you know, getting Hudson back and hopefully Garcia, things have settled down there. And uh, you got the run one, two, one, two punch with the running game. So he's not going to put his, uh, his his body in harm's way. And he did say when he had the hamstring injury, that was difficult just to kind of move around and then he had the shoulder. So they're trying to avoid that because it happened the first year and the second year. And it happened late in the year maybe the month of December. You gain anything from tone of voice as far as what Kyler said, didn't say, how he said certain things? Again, all the entire press conference can be found on azcardinals.com, but he didn't sound to me like he was not going to play or there was an indication that he was upset or concerned. It just seemed like a normal Wednesday for Kyler Murray to address the media ahead of that week's opponent. Yeah, I, I think he's feeling a lot better than the way he left the field. Um, according to uh, Josh Weinfest from ESPN, he was winning a walking boot. And, again, rest goes a long way. And I'm sure that he was getting treatment around the clock. 
Um, I don't know if they went to his house. Um, obviously, you know, he's the starting quarterback in the face of the franchise. So there's a lot of ways. But I think downtime went a long way. And, and if you think about it, it's almost going to be nine or ten days to where he would get back on the field. But I think he's trending in the right direction. That's what I was able to take away. He doesn't need to run, as you noted. He said that as much, and I thought it was interesting. Kingsbury brought up, my legs are a luxury quote that now everyone has kind of grasped that Murray mentioned during the offseason. But Kingsbury acknowledging that Kyler has done a great job from the pocket. But what sets Kyler Murray apart, again, he doesn't need to run. I don't need to see another design run the rest of the season to make sure that he is completely 100%. But it's the mobility to elude the pressure extend plays because you're rolling out of the pockets you're turning your back to the defense you're very elusive you're hard to catch that I wonder how much factors into not what is called on Sunday but taking that part of Kyler's game away and making him literally a pocket quarterback i.e. Tom Brady if we were talking about a, um, a hamstring injury or a growing injury, I don't want him taken off. Now, I don't know if it's a low ankle, uh, ankle sprain, is it a high ankle sprain? Because we know the high can linger a little bit. Again, treatment, uh, just being, you know, getting the hot tub and the cold tub. and. But I, I still want him to take off. Um, again, my thing is, is how is he able to throw the ball? You know, is he able to plant his foot? And, and extend the plays where – does he feel anything? Is there a little medicine involved there? But you know how I feel. I still want him to take off. Now, as a hamstring and growing injury, back off because those linger. Not saying the ankle injury can't linger, but the fact is that they haven't ruled him out and they're going to go through the entire week and it's going to be day-to-day and then we'll find out it's probably going to be a game-time decision. Yeah, we're not going to know anything when Kingsbury addresses the media on Friday. I'm not expecting – him to say yes Kyler's going to start or no we've ruled him out one there's some gamesmanship there and the Cardinals had this happen to them the first meeting against the 49ers in week five is it going to be Garoppolo is it going to be Trey Lance Friday afternoon oh yeah Trey Lance is going to start I don't think Kingsbury is going to make such an announcement either if it's Murray or Colt McCoy they're going to wait because you have to factor in travel Cardinals are getting on an airplane on Saturday. That means something when you fly up 30, 35,000 feet elevation. Three hours, right? And, yeah, and then how do you sleep Saturday night, wake up Sunday morning? Go through your normal pregame warm-ups and see how you feel. And if you feel comfortable, because this is all going to rely, I think, on Kyler Murray. I know there were some questions about, hey, can you be cautious? Can you look long-term and say, hey, you know what? You're feeling good, but we're going to sit you this week as a may, as a means to make sure you're completely 100%. Dallas Cowboys did that with Dak Prescott. Now, I don't know the, the, the status of Prescott versus a Kyler Murray this week, but that is an idea that is out there. Kingsbury did acknowledge that it's probably not a great conversation to have with a Kyler Murray who likes to be on the football field, but that is something that I think will be considered. I think those conversations took place last Friday to where, you know, how is he feeling after the game and then let him get off in the weekend. I think now it's, hey, it's possible that he can play. I think Friday was kind of glim just the way he walked off the field. He's getting treatment. He's getting mental reps. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if he's out there on Friday just walk through, you know, just watching things. 
And again, nothing against Colt McCoy, uh, but I am intrigued to see him play. It's just 80% Kyler Murray is better than Colt McCoy. I'd rather see Colt McCoy play fourth quarter and yeah. you're up two, three, four scores yeah. and let him see what he can do. But again, it's a division game, and I don't think that maybe it does factor a little bit because it is a division games, but you've got such a large lead in the division. I, I don't know. Man. I, mean, well, I, I, I want to see Kyler Murray play. But I don't want to see him play at the expense yes. of this costing him next week, the week after, and all of a sudden this lingers to where it's a month that you have to worry about Kyler Murray well, being out. Well, I think, you know, over the last couple of years, we know last year the Cardinals got off to a 2-0 and start. They beat the Niners and they beat the Seahawks, and then they finished 2-4. and I think it's important for Kingsbury to get a winning record in the division this year. And it can come back to tiebreakers, especially depending on how the Rams do. It can come back to conference wins, division wins. So it's just the next game on the schedule. But I, I do think there's a premium – of taking care of business in your division, you don't want to go two and four every year because now you're trailing. That's four games that you lost in your division in the conference, and that puts you behind the eight ball. So I'm putting a premium on these on these uh, division games. Second straight season, the Cardinals have opened up two and zero against the NFC West. Last year, obviously losing four straight, but to your point, this is a winnable ball game even without a Kyler Murray. But I hope we do see Kyler Murray on the football field now. Some other questions, and this didn't get lost on Wednesday, but not really analyzed and discussed a lot. But no DeAndre Hopkins, no A.J. Green on the football field during the open portion of practice. And we know Hopkins is dealing with a hamstring injury. It kept him off the field for much of Thursday's game against the Green Bay Packers. Kingsbury, I thought, you know, opened the door a little bit, saying he's not sure if Hopkins is going to be available this week. Now, that's a little bit more honesty than we've heard from Kingsbury when it comes to Hopkins and his status. It is Wednesday. We'll see how it trends towards Sunday. But we'll go back to what we always say. Hop don't miss games. He's only missed two in his career. But let's go back to the Kyler Murray thought process. It's okay to miss one game so you're not missing three, four, five games over the next six, seven weeks. And just like any player in that locker room, they're, it sounds like they're going to put the pads on Thursday. And you get a certain amount of pads to a certain point in the season, so they're going to put the pads on. But once again, hopefully Hop was laying up, getting some rest. He's not on the practice field. So, you know, he's a guy that really doesn't need to practice, so to speak. Um, but, you know, hopefully he's, he's getting better. But I just think the fact that they were off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday – got back in the building on Tuesday, and then we're, we're, you know, on the field on Wednesday. So you got to think that rest is going to go a long way until they get their official bye week, which will be during the week of Thanksgiving. And you know how much of a factor Hopkins is, just his presence on the football field, because you have to account for him even at less than 100%. Let's go back to that game against the Packers where he missed a chunk of – Two quarters, two full quarters as far as time of action missed. But when he was out there, even if he wasn't 100%, all of a sudden the defense shifts a little bit towards his direction and you're able to look elsewhere if you're Kyle Murray. So there is a nod to D-Hop playing even if he's at 50% because Hopkins at 50% is better than maybe, what, 95% of the wide receivers at 100%. Yeah, that was interesting, though. When he wasn't out there, it didn't seem like guys were getting as much separation. Um, 
and again, that's just maybe overreacting, but when he's on the field and, and teams initially were rolling coverage over now, they, you got so many weapons. You got the running backs. You got the, you know, obviously Rondell Moore. Hopefully he has a bounce back game, Christian Kirk, and then Zach Ertz. So, yeah, I again, um, it was just interesting, that small sample. And then when he got back in there, he put himself back in there, everything kind of flowed down. Now, he was on the field for that final play. AJ was on the right. Chase was in the in the backfield. He actually picked up a nice blitz, and then on the left it was Hertz, Kirk, and Hop. So Hop, and he did run the route. So he was able to finish the game, um, where to where, I I just think he takes care of his body. He, he he's promoting this device where it's kind of like a drill, and it just really allows your body to recover faster. It's like a massager, but it's portable. Him and DK Metcalf are promoting that. It's all over the TV and uh, social media. So I, I, Hop's a guy that eats right. I'm sure he's got a chef, and he takes care of his body, and that goes a long way. We don't see him out in Scottsdale at night and stuff like that. We'll keep an eye on Kyler Murray, and we'll keep an eye on DeAndre Hopkins. Now, there was some good news. In fact, a lot of good news as far as Wednesday's practice, Bird Gang. So it's not like – we're Debbie Downers here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Rodney Hudson, who was designated to return from injured reserve on the practice field on Wednesday, as was Max Garcia. So that is very good with respect to the offensive line. If Hudson gets activated, he's missed the past three weeks, you plug him back at the center position, and then we'll see what happens at right guard. Does it remain Josh Jones? Is it Max Garcia? Who knows? But the fact that it's Wednesday and Hudson and Garcia are practicing, that is great news in fact heading towards this week's game yeah we haven't heard anything but just based on you know Kugler's comments uh, when he spoke to the media I want to say last week he said Garcia is going to play and that told me that once Hudson comes back and it gives Josh Jones a little bit of break where you can use him as an extra blocker I mean right now you know you don't have a ton of uh, tight ends at block besides Darrell Daniels Demetrius Harris more of a kind of a combo guy we know that Hurts has a high effort. He puts the effort into it. Sometimes you're going to lose those matchups. So I, it's, this may be a good thing for Josh to take a stop, step back, and then we don't know about Justin Murray. All right, let's flip it over to the defense. Zayvon Collins during the open portion of practice. He did not play a lot of the second half. He was injured in the first half, suffered a shoulder injury, and a lot of people, including teammates, pointing to that loss as far as affecting the run defense. But Zayvon Collins on the practice field on Wednesday. Richard Lawrence on the practice field on Wednesday. He's missed the past two games with a calf injury. And good to see Corey Peters on the practice field. So that's two new bodies on the defensive line as we talk about J.J. Watt and his absence. What happens? How do you replace that? Well, you don't. But if you have Corey Peters available and a healthy Richard Lawrence, I like where that defensive line stacks up against the rest of, you know, offenses the rest of the season. Yeah, Corey Peters, is, is he's really a really good run stuffer, so he can occupy space there. You know, the fact is I really like their rotation. Once you get Rashad Lawrence back and Corey Peters, and we know Zach Allen's going to get a lot more playing time, kind of replacing J.J. Watt. I think you and I are big fans of Michael Dogby. Lucky foe, too, is getting better each week. And then you got the wild card in Josh Morrow. So, again, right now just two guys are on, will be on IR. One, Max Williams, look gone for the year. And then J.J. Watt, um, you know, we'll see how long he's out. But, you know, that's the beauty of this uh, 
IR return within three weeks. Sometimes you have to put a guy on there, and you know that he's not going to come back. So right now, the good news is only two guys out of the starting 22. You'd like to have that, you know, obviously better, but that's the NFL, and as long as you don't lose certain players at certain positions, I think because of the depth, they'll be okay. Things change quickly. We understand that. But here on a Wednesday, I feel a lot better about the defense, considering the bodies that are back. Um, still a little, I don't know, a little leery about DeAndre Hopkins just based off the tone of voice and the word choice of a Cliff Kingsbury. And I'm more optimistic about Kyler Murray based off what we heard from the man, Kyler Murray. Yeah, Cliff. Cliff. Cliff made it sound like it'd be a tough conversation to uh, ask Murray or say, you know, it's in our best interest organization team-wise you sit. Imagine what that conversation would be like, Hop. (laughs) Hop will just put himself in the game. Now he's got to be active being in the game, right? Yeah. (laughs) Those guys are such competitors, man. Like, you're taking the dog bone away from these guys, man. They want to eat. How do you tell a player (laughs) that – they feel good, but hey, you know what? In best interest of the team, give it another day, <laughs> give it another week. It's 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 done in other professions because you play more games. Yeah. It becomes a more difficult conversation. You only have seventeen of these, right. and each game is so big. And division games are magnified, and we're in November, and that makes yeah. it even bigger spotlight on this contest. So, uh, yeah, I. It'd be great to be a fly on the wall, as they like to say, if and when those conversations happen. But I do think that whether we know or not, a decision will be made Friday on Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. And then you don't think they'll drag it to a game day? I might say we oh. might not know. Oh, I got you. Sorry, but I think yes, coaching staff, oh yeah, players will know. Hey. Kyler Murray's going to play. He's not going to play. You know yeah, what? We're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, it's, hey, it's not going to become public knowledge. But we, we may see Hop out there on a Friday. It's it's, it's more happened of, before. Yeah, I mean, if, if he's dealing with an ankle injury, and normally when the players are on the field, like Kyler Murray was not on the field today, but he was in meetings. Um, he was getting treatment. So the, it's not like these guys are sitting there watching movies and playing chess. I mean, they're getting in their around the clock treatment. So again, I. Like you said, I just don't think Hopkins wants him its games. I mean, he's he's off to a good start when it comes to touchdowns. He obviously he creates separation for the other players when he's on the field. And once again, I'll take Hopkins at 80% than a lot of different guys. Now, again, it's a long season. you got to make sure that this doesn't linger. And that's, what I think, the biggest issue for both of those guys. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, as we now kind of focus on the matchup specifically here in Week 9. Regardless if it's Kyla Murray or Colt McCoy, as far as facing a 49ers defense that really did a number on the Cardinals back in Week 5 as far as holding a high-powered offense to just 17 points, They come in talking about the 49ers with the fifth best defense and number five and allowing just over five yards of play. Not great against the run, but number three against the pass. And a lot of that is because of their defensive line and an Eric Armstead, a DJ Jones, a Nick Bosa, a D Ford. The number of guys that this 49ers defensive line 
can play, rotate, and really get after opposing offenses, getting into the backfield, and blowing up a play. Yeah, that's why I think it's so important to get Rodney Hudson back because we know over the last couple of weeks, uh, pressure's been kind of at the middle. Kyler's taken more hits than he probably did in the first six, five or six games. So, And then Max Garcia, I mean, he's – I just – if we were sitting here talking about uh, Sean Harlow and Josh Jones, I would be concerned because they have a really good front seven. They get to the quarterback – uh, it all starts with Bosa, and then their interior, and then Fred Warner's a guy that can, you know, really blow up the uh, the, the running game by getting tackles at the line of scrimmage. So, I like the fact that they're getting their starters back, and you know, again, they do have some depth now with Justin Murray and Josh Jones. If that happens to be the case, and I like that, where now Sean Harlow would be more of a an eighth guy versus being a starter, and he did a good job, only one bad snap. Um, and I give him credit because, you know, he's, he's, he played a ton in the preseason. He got a chance to play left guard. Um, he can play right guard. And he really bailed his team out considering you're going down to your thring, third string center. Hudson's return. Huge. And hopefully that does happen this week. You're right. That is the word. It is huge because not only does it shore up the middle, but the rest of the offense as well. And then being in a second set of eyes for the quarterback. And we anticipate. Hopefully, fingers crossed, that that is Kyler Murray. But Rodney Hudson has seen a lot and can point out things, and then all of a sudden it just becomes a lot more in rhythm. And we kind of haven't seen that for large stretches of games, and maybe that was because of Rodney Hudson not being out there and his return could be a godsend for the offense to kind of get back to that feeling we had in the first four or five games. Yeah, and he was dealing with ribs, correct? Ribs and shoulders. Shoulders. But he should have, you know – Fresh legs because he hasn't, you know, hasn't played. You're talking about 65 snaps a game. That's over, you know, 180 over a three-game span. Um, and, 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 again, he's getting treatment. I'm sure he's still able to lift weights. But um, the good news is he should have some fresh legs because he hasn't played a full game in almost three weeks. So that, that can go a long way with just endurance and making sure he's doing his job, which we all know he's going to do. And you look at D.J. Humphreys, Calvin Beecham as far as the tackles and making sure Nick Bosa stays quiet. Now he did have a sack in the first meeting in this season. Seven sacks, 15 quarterback hits, 11 tackles for loss. Nick Bosa is every bit the player that the 49ers went out and made a first-round draft pick on. Last week against the Bears, two sacks. Three quarterback hits, five pressures, three tackles for loss. So he is certainly playing well and, again, healthy. That's always been the key with not just Nick Bosa but the entire Bosa family. Yeah, I mean, he's – he's he, you know, they took him second overall. Quentin Williams went third overall. Um, he's, he's, he's lived up to it. He's just got to stay healthy. And, you know, that's part of how he plays. I mean, he obviously decided to tap out in college. He was getting ready for the draft. But when healthy, he's a very productive player and one of the better pass rushers. Just the way he takes his angles. And I think when you look at the Bosa family, from the father to the brother, Joey, uh, they're really physical and they're really strong at the point of attack. And D.J. Humphreys has held his own against him. You look at where perhaps the weakness is of this 49ers defense, and we mentioned that they're very good against the pass, but Emmanuel Mosley, Josh Norman, Kaywan Williams, those three were picked on last week against the Bears, and 
Safety Jimmy Ward is not expected to play this week because of a quad strain. So that hurts the secondary of the 49ers as well. And it just seems that, yeah, they're number three against the pass, but I think that has more to do with the front as opposed to the back end, and we've talked about that. The two are in sync. If you can get to the quarterback and make them rush their throws, then they're throwing incompletions or interceptions, yet the 49ers only have two interceptions this season. Mosley last week allowed five catches on seven targets with four going for first downs. Norman and Williams each allowed four catches on five targets. So there is a way to attack this 49ers defense, and it is through the air, provided the quarterback has time in the pocket. Yeah, but I also think, you know, the way that Chase Edmonds is running, and hopefully, you know, those nine days are going to help his shoulder. Um, you don't want that aggravating, but he, he's he's a tough guy who plays through it. And the way James Connors uh, really played on short yardage situations, so it's just not where the Cardinals are going to line up and just throw the football. They're going to try to utilize the run, and that will open up play action where they can get their weapons involved. Well, you look at that first meeting as far as how the Cardinals were able to do running the football against the 49ers, and it was all right. It wasn't great. In fact, it was Rondell Moore who had 38 rushing yards to lead the team. James Conner, Chase Edmonds kind of held in check each under three yards a carry, but that might be something if you can get those defensive linemen on their heels and push back. It goes to the offensive line to do their job so the running backs can do their job. Yeah, and, you know, I, we're going to talk to Vance Joseph tomorrow, so we'll kind of figure that out. But, you know, you look at their running game, and it doesn't matter who's back there. Um, they get the job done, and and we'll get into that more tomorrow, just how the Cardinals' um, defense will approach the, uh, the Niners' offense. But for the most part, um, you know, people think they miss Robert Sala. Uh, I just think they're going through transition. Demeco Ryan's has been there. They were excited to retain him. It, it's it's just the Niners. It's just haven't been able to stay healthy, and that's been the issue. And and again, um, you know, the fact is the Cardinals will have uh, plenty of time to prepare for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. And so we'll get into that tomorrow, based on Vance Joseph. And I want to go point to Chase Edmonds because it's a good point that you make as far as the ability to run against the 49ers defense and Edmonds hasn't had that quote-unquote breakout game it's been a lot of James Conner certainly in the red zone short yardage and scoring touchdowns Conner has eight Derrick Henry was leading the league with 10 at last check but Edmonds this season is almost almost at six yards a carry now, a lot of that has come in the second half with the lead, and then you can start running. He did have that long run of 54 yards earlier in the year. But we've kind of seen this offense attack defenses with the air game and then rely on the ground game to finish things off. And I don't know if that's going to change this week. Maybe it does because Kyle Murray, because limited mobility perhaps, maybe you do focus a little bit more on Chase Edmonds and James Conner. Yeah, and you know, I'm curious to see, you know, if they try to put a spy on him. We know that doesn't work. Maybe because of his mobility, they try to keep him in the pocket, you know. But, again, you know, Chase Edmonds, um, you start looking at his numbers, Craig, he has 370 scrimmage yards. He's averaging 92.5 per game in four road games this year. So, yeah, he may not be getting the, um, you know, the short yardage situations. Uh, and James Conner's obviously built for that. But um, he finally got his – First touchdown, but he he's been very productive when it comes to 
all-purpose yards, not just the rushing, but also catching the ball in the backfield. Yeah, certainly with the ability to catch the ball, he's third in catches for 211 yards, and that's middle of the pack as far as where the receiving yards rank, but it's his ability to catch the ball for short yardage, two, three yards, and that's sometimes as you like to say, part of the run game anyway, if you're throwing the quick screen to a Connor, an Edmonds, or even Rondell Moore, who was a big factor, as we mentioned, in that first meeting as far as running the football. Yeah, and you look at Connor, had two rushing TDs last week, his third game with two rushing TDs in 2021, leads the NFL, I'm sorry, lose the, leads the NFC with eight rushing touchdowns, and he had a rushing touchdown in week five against the 49ers. Looking back at that week five contest, the Cardinals scored on their first possession. It was a great eight-play, 66-yard drive set up by Buda Baker's interception, but then the offense went seven possessions before scoring another touchdown, and that was the DeAndre Hopkins score in the fourth quarter that made it 17-7. to So there was a Matt Prater field goal. There was a Chase Edmonds fumble. But that 49ers defense, yeah, their record says 3-4, and four, yet for whatever reason, this is always the team, MJ, that gives the Cardinals, regardless of year, head coach, roster, always problems. And – it goes back to the Cardinals versus the Rams, regardless of head coach, roster. That always seems to be the hurdle. But for the Cardinals, there's been a nice give and take with the 49ers over recent years. But this week, the opportunity to sweep the season series for the first time since 2018. Yeah, I just think it's the familiarity. I mean, when you have the same head coaches uh, with uh, McVay, he's been there you know, since Cliff's been here. We know Pete Carroll's been there a long time and Kyle Shanahan. So... Uh, I don't think they're going to surprise each other. And when you're playing a division game, um, I think go back to what you were able to do. And, you know, I think Cardinal fans have been spoiled just like we have when they're putting up for 30 points and 400 yards in the game. Granted, uh, what they did to the Rams was really impressive because it was a beatdown. Now, they're not going to always win in division games. And this was 17-10, to 10, and they found different ways to win in that game, and that's part of being a good team learning how to win and finishing games, and they did that when they won 17-10. So I'm not anticipating a blowout here. Now, obviously, turnovers and you know other factors will play a role, but anytime you're playing a division game, it's usually more closer to the best because they know each other. Cardinals 5-2 and two at Levi's Stadium since that building opened up in 2014, which just happened to be the year after Colt McCoy spent a season with the 49ers in 2013. If you're looking for a connection or perhaps Colt McCoy and his familiarity with the 49ers, well, you're talking 2013, so probably not a whole lot. You know, it's interesting. If the Cardinals win, they would improve to 11-3 and in their last 14 games against the 49ers. It doesn't seem like that. I know Rosen won both of those games, and he they obviously beat the Packers that year. Collar last year week one but I I would have thought it'd been a little bit more even it's I think the recency bias because for me week 16 sticks out like oh, a yeah. sore thumb yeah in front of almost uh empty stadium yeah. in Glendale State Farm Stadium and the fact that the 49ers just ran right through literally through the Cardinals and according to stat was Mike Helm it would earn the fifth season sweep against the Niners in the last seven seasons and here's a team that went to the Super Bowl 
not too long ago. In fact, Cliff Kingsbury has a better winning percentage than Kyle Shanahan, which gets lost in a lot of the narrative when you talk about the 49ers because of their run to the Super Bowl. Didn't quite finish the job, but on a consistency basis, it's being Coach Kingsbury better than Coach Shanahan. And we always talk about it. You know, this year, eight home games, nine road games. If you can just scratch out a few road games. This team already has four road wins. I mean, uh, that doesn't happen. You look at the standings, you'll see a team that, you know, play. And, and, and I looked it up, Craig. Home field advantage is not what it used to be. Even with fans this year, it's very close. I mean, it's like 63 to 59. It's been interesting because after a year in which you thought no fans in the stands would even the playing field, it's actually been this season in which the playing field has been more even. And usually, you know, you want to, you know, if you got eight home games, you probably want to win six. And you know, obviously they lost one so far, but, you know, and then you scratch out, you know, with nine road games, you want to get, you know, you, I would have said I'll sign up for four or five. They they have an opportunity to get their fifth road win, which is almost unheard of when you look at the, I'd have to look around the league because road teams are winning. So I'm not saying they're the only ones doing that. Uh, but it's just fascinating. You would think home field advantage would definitely have a role. You're not traveling. You're you know you're staying in your hotel. You, you, all the uh, you know the side distractions that happen. Um, that's why you got to give credit to the Packers. They came here. Um, you know probably uh, well. I know they left on a Wednesday and they got here. But um, yeah, it's just I'm I'm really impressed. And it all started in Week One uh, when they thumped the uh, Tennessee Titans, and then. You know, obviously in Minnesota, uh, they caught a break there, and then you know going to Jacksonville. So the good news is they they've taken care of business against the AFC teams. A fifth road win would mark just the ninth time in franchise that right? history five or more road wins in a season, and the first time since 2015. That year, they won seven road games. And they were 13 and three. Yeah, that was a big season for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. We'll see what happens coming up this week. Again, 225 is the kickoff. 9.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Cardinals 7-1 and one against a 3-4 and four 49ers team. And obviously keeping an eye on Kyla Murray and DeAndre Hopkins this week. Before we head on out of here on this Wednesday, need to remind everyone, Episode 6 of Cardinals Folktales, 104 yards, victory, and a vote available on Wednesday. It's a look back at the stadium vote and how much Aeneas Williams's record time fumble return to upset Washington just two days earlier may have played a factor in the vote passing. I think it was a huge factor, but that episode of Cardinals Folktales debuts on Wednesday. You can go to youtube.com slash azcardinals for all Cardinals Folktales. And original audio podcasts are available by searching Cardinals Folktales at your favorite podcast provider. A great compliment to the video. Our producer, Jim Mahundro and Paul Calvisi have done a great job with the original audio podcast. Give those a listen as well because in much of these cases, it's a different look if it's a different view of the particular story being told. And, of course, this one is about the stadium votes and why the Cardinals right now have one of the best venues in all of the National Football League. 16 years at State Farm Stadium. Wow. 
Time, Time flies. flies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to the aforementioned Jim Omohundro, our executive producer. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.